Welcome, adventurers. This week on Tales from the Dungeon, we'll finally find out what happened to Yonif. No, no, buddy, that's not what we're doing this week. Wait, really? A battle with dragons? No, no, that's not what's going to happen either. Then what? What's going to happen? Mom's going to ask me some questions about uh, season two. What? That's so boring. I thought there was going to be something exciting. Joel Rigetti's Speaking Stone Studio presents... Tales from the Dungeon. Howdy, folks out there in quarantine land and those that may have been recently freed. Uh, we have a special social social distancing episode of Tales from the Dungeon and Questions with a special guest and housemate, my wife, Christy, who is a baker of amazing desserts, a lover of ballet and horses, mom and co-raiser of our son, Eli, who you heard help out with the intro there, and a supporter of this mad venture. Quarantining like a madman. Like a mad woman, mad lady, mad person, all the quarantining, so... There you go. She will be doing the interview today uh, as we are trying to keep safe and follow the guidelines of our local jurisdictions. Ta-da. <laughs> Ta-da. I've been bribed. There you go. Let it be. <laughs> so it has been said. All right. So? So, here we go. There we go. All right. At the end of season one, you were asked in your interview if you regret having your storylines overlap and intertwine. At the time, the answer was no. Yep. Is the answer still no? Has it changed with season two? <laughs> it absolutely has changed with season two. Oh, no. the, <laughs> uh, it was interesting almost immediately when I moved into season two. And season one, I think I said no, it didn't really affect me because there hadn't there had only been very minor overlapping and uh, now the overlapping has start to get more and more detailed. And as that process kind of worked itself out, now I find myself where I'm like, oh, geez, I have to keep track of timelines and accuracies and what happened, A or B. So it definitely has added another complex layer to the storytelling aspect just because it's it's layered now and I need to be more and more accurate, which has led me to writing a timeline that I've had to go back and reference several times and, and stuff like that. So it's it's definitely added a level of complexity to to it that... I don't know if that would go a full-on regret because I like the story I'm telling, but uh, but you know, it's not a walk in the park. Do you feel like that draws away from your wanting it to be a quote-unquote audio comic strip? Or do no. you feel like it can still be a comic strip and have a long-ranging, intertwining story? Yeah, no, I think it can. I think if you think of comic strips in that way, there, there are definitely some that are just week-to-week its own thing, Garfield or something such. But I think there are comic strips also that tell a story that goes on. So I think it's still true to the short nature, week to week. But the story continues. So 
Now I can think about is Garfield like battling a giant <laughs> cyclops. <laughs> there you go. Maybe that's uh, maybe that's the future of Tales from the Dungeon. Garfield v, v Cyclops. There you go. All right. Uh, there's some stories from season one uh, that were sort of one-offs or that appear to be one-offs that uh-huh. you haven't tied back into, such as Caria and By- Byford. Byford, did I say that right? Frame, yeah. Frame, sorry, Frame. Yeah, yeah. Um, so are those going to be one-offs or are you actually going to tie back into those? Hey, we absolutely will tie back into Caria is actually going to be kicking off season three. So Caria, Caria will be back. Uh, Frayne is one of the stories that I don't know. May or may not see more of Frayne specifically. Uh, I will go ahead and say that if you remember back or take the time to go listen back into season one, there was the leader of his order was named Sarkeesian. Uh, and now we have the person that Mela has fell in with is named Sarkeesian. They are not the same woman, but they have the same name, and they belong to the same order. So there'll be some uh, clarification of that and explanation in stories to come. Uh, so the, the, the tie to Frayne directly may not be direct, it may be indirect through who he knew and the history of the Bharata province and such. So that makes more sense now. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, this is a question from one of your listeners. Sure. Um, they would like to know what has possessed you to write in the five, excuse me, the D and D five E rules. It seems like something that would be so constricting to some, but it has actually been the, quite the opposite for you. Do you have any concerns about it limiting your writing styles? Uh, well, again, I think I answered in season one. Someone asked about the rules, and the answer at that time for the rules was, as a new to story writing guy, it actually was helpful to have sign of pre-existing races, peoples, things, magics, abilities that I didn't have to create from scratch. So in in that way, the rules actually have provided guidelines and structure to a story where otherwise I would have to 100% create from scratch. Um, but I would say as season two goes on, though, it is also, it is providing, I wouldn't say constrictions other than in my desire to tell an accurate story when I'm telling a story about, I really want to get to a point where that the character class or the spells or the whatever are accurate. So I'm finding myself spending more time when I write a story, making sure I have all the rules and everything in line about the story before I write it, because I'm like, Oh geez, I want to make sure it accurately follows. So I would say that it's a 50 50 right now. It definitely helps by providing pre-existing structure, but I would also say that it also adds time probably where creating your own story may not be because I'm trying to be true and faithful to the rule books as well. So at this point, I'm going coin toss. It helps and it hinders. So would you say in your writing process, you write the story and then double check with the rules? Or do you have an outline of the story, double check the rules, and then suss out the details? Or how does that go? Uh, Season one, I would say I wrote the stories and then went back in my brain and justified it with the rules. Uh, Season two has been almost the opposite where I've taken the rules ahead of time pre well season there was parts in season one where I pre-rolled characters and whatnot but season two uh, has definitely been more of uh, in the dragon episode playing out that scenario with my my son our son super cute by the way son Eli and such so uh, this season has been more make sure it's all in line and that's because I think I'm because I'm moving deeper into 
higher character levels than I've really run in the past, monsters I've never played before. And so I've been in a place where I've been less confident telling the story and then whatever. I wanted the rules up front so that I felt like the story I was writing was accurate. So. And have you ever gotten to a point where you had a story in your head where you're like, this has to be the story, otherwise I'm not going to have a connection between point A and B, but the rules are not allowing me to get there? Uh, the, no. I, well, I, so the rules haven't hindered anything yet. They have, they just, when I'm writing a story, I need to be careful that I have a mechanism within the rules. Again, in the dragon story at the end, I needed the thief to escape with the item. Mm -hmm. And so it was easy enough for me to look into the dungeon master's guide and find a a magic item that allowed him to teleport out of danger and have that be something they were going to have anyway, because once they retrieved the item, they would have teleported back to Esmeray, but so the thief already had that in his possession and needed to get away. So how convenient! Uh, it's convenient, but what was weird <laughs> is it really did work. Uh, I mean, we we could ask Eli; he's not here, but it really did work into the turns, how the turns played out, and him barely surviving that last blast of dragon breath too. Mm-hmm. He was like down to his last hit points as he rolled out into the thing and was like, "Screw this!" and slapped the bracelet on and transported back to the town. So and so, what would you have done if he would have died when you got out? <laughs> I don't know. We don't have to worry about okay. that. It didn't happen. I don't know. <laughs> we didn't have to. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I guess we'd have to have adjusted the story slightly. But, Got it. Yep. So with all the adventures, the encounters, the techniques that you're writing about, are we likely to see you posting your own adventures? Um, there's lots of folks on the DMs Guild that would love to play in your world. Um You've already got some good bones for outlines and great stories. So are you willing to put that out there into that world? Uh, I would say right now I'm so focused on the storytelling and actually the storytelling is creating the world. So at this point, I, I'm telling stories about a single province on an entire continent, the continent of Gloaming Keep, but I'm, all these stories so far have taken place in the Barata province, which is just one province within the thing. I know of other places on the continent already, which are south of there, south of the desert, the glass sea. I know the campaign I'm running in my home game is to the to the west and Erdwin Vale and at that whatever. So I, I know more flushed out, but as I tell stories and as I'm writing these things, the world is still growing and growing. So for me, I'm still discovering the world, so I don't at this point have the time probably to do any of that. It's an honor it's an honor to hear that and I think maybe at some point in the future if the world grows and there's still a, a need and a demand for that, I'm going to put that on the dreams, not goals list. It would be awesome at some day to publish some adventures and, and some maps and some more stuff related to, uh, related to the world, but that's on my dreams, not goals list. And a wife needs more patience and a wife, list. <laughs> wife, wife also gets some time in the world. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's see. You're, your listener also says, listening back to the rules episode, it is invigorating and inspiring to hear you talk about the stories in the core rule books. Uh, would you consider rules episodes, but as a workshop for DMs, covering stories and adventures, um, hearing the rhythm of a session or an episode looking at the background world and other worlds in the storylines? Yeah, again, current focus is on storytelling. And I also would consider myself a fairly. I'm I'm new to storytelling. I'm new to writing. I'm actually pretty new to dungeon. Not master, true. New to dungeon mastering. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> new to dungeon mastering. So I think it would be cool to be part of a panel. I think or a roundtable discussion because 
I would definitely be down with sharing ideas of how do you create worlds and, and interacting in that way. Uh, I don't have those contacts yet, but I mean, I, I, in the future, I definitely would like to make more contacts. And if I got enough interest, I would be more than willing to, I think, discuss storytelling as far as it goes and, and dungeon mastering. Uh, but as it comes to the rules, Hawks and all those different things, I may not be great as good as there's so many other in the world, but yeah, no, I definitely, I, I see myself as probably telling narration versus the, uh, role-playing. Would you so, consider it to be a type of improv? Oh, absolutely. It's a type of improv that right. one of the, uh, one of the other shows I do listen to the, yeah, the four guys are improv. I mean, their background is in improv mm-hmm. and professional actors, so... Mm-hmm. But I mean, there's that's D and D's a balance of improv and storytelling and rule preparation and whatever. And I think it becomes improv is a huge skill. Planning can make your improvisational decisions easier, and so it's just a whole balance of all of that. So, would you say that with season two, your skills are becoming better uh, with your home games? Is it becoming better to improv when you need to improv? I'm working really hard on improv because right now, as you can tell by my story, my storytelling process is very involved in layout. And even in the home game I'm running, I'm like, I want all the answers written down. I want to know where all the people are, what all the towns look like, who do they live in there. To the point where my first adventure is in a tiny village and I have like 80 NPCs and they've talked to four of them and they'll probably never talk to them. But in my head, I just needed to know who everybody was. So, yeah, I don't know. Chaotic mind... I would say I'm more write it down. I'm working more on my DMing skills for improving seat of the pants. So I'm actually also running a one shot right now where I put some chicken scratch down and I'm trying my hardest to make it all up as I go. So, so with the things that you're writing down, your scripts and whatnot, would you be willing to consider putting those out there for Patreon and whatnot? Yeah, I think the question, that one was in regards to the specific, uh, I, I had mentioned that I did my... Uh, the dungeon, the dragon episode, I actually ran a scenario and wrote everything down. And then in the Cyclops episode, I also ran an entire scenario in combat and wrote it down. Got I it. think I would release them, but uh, as my wife might know, I'm very chicken scratchy and <laughs> not so much with the stuff. I, I I would have to look at them again. I bet if I released them, they wouldn't make a lot of sense. Somebody, maybe it's a look into my mind, but <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll take a look at them after this. And Needs see. a little... Scripty finesse. It may it. may need some explanation yeah. and may or may not do anything, but I definitely or a secret decoder ring. Yeah, I think the secret decoder <laughs> ring may be, yeah, the stuff. So you can put that on your uh, Patreon levels, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, okay, on to our storyline questions. Sure. Um, from the story, those who will defend. Are we going to hear more about Sergeant Veshna? <laughs> will we hear more about Sergeant Veshna? Uh, I think we probably will. A story that I'm not. It's forming in my mind, but it's not 100%. I think we have to deal with, we can't have just left the city of Feld's Crossing under siege. So if we return, if and when we return to Feld's Crossing and its siege, uh, Veshna would definitely... You feel like she's a major character in that? Play a part. I, uh, yeah. At that point in time. It's, it, again, I, the thing in my brain, yeah, the story is already kind of putting itself together, and she is plays a huge role in the defense and the the in the siege of Feld's crossing. The question becomes: Does it fit into the greater arc, and do we go back? But I also, I yeah, I just don't feel like I'd be satisfied leaving it. Uh, I don't know that we're going to see her anytime soon, but I don't think I cannot tell that story at some point down the road. So, 
I think we'd probably see more of Sergeant Feshna. So from the fox and the rabbit, uh, Snare, mm-hmm. the origin story of Snare, really a beautifully written and heart-wrenching story. Um, when Snare was first introduced, uh, how much did you know and how much, how much did you know to begin with and how did you manage to find the right balance of hopelessness, emotion, and relief in the fox and the rabbit when you wrote it? Yeah. So what's interesting about that <laughs> – I think about how monodimensional that first story was uh, a lot. And but what's funny to me is I found out a lot that my writer brain and my storytelling brain uh, shares a lot with being a toddler because it just asks why all the time. So like so from the moment I wrote that first story, I, I had some discussions of of finding out like again the initial concept of this was not to be interconnected but when my brain started going why 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 a lot of the answers were wait a minute they are interconnected so with snare the process was he's he's grumpy he's a grumpy old gnome and and gnomes by canon are kind of these kind of chipper interesting curious creatures and so instead I found it interesting to write a character that wasn't, was kind of more surly, irritated, and not very friendly kind of gnome. So then the toddler in the brain goes, why, why isn't he very nice? So there had to be a reason. And then I also, it occurred to me that he hadn't spoken throughout the entire story. And then I went, does Snare speak? And then my brain went, no, he doesn't, he doesn't speak. So then the toddler goes, why, why doesn't he speak? And then my brain went to a young kind of cocky gnome that uh, thought he was the, the bee's knees and top of the world. And and then it occurred to me that what are the different ways he could have just been deaf and mute, but it turned out when my wife first snare was that he had lost his tongue. Well, how would he have lost, how would he have lost his tongue? And in that process, that's where the story real came, really came out of. And then it occurred to me as that story developed that, not only did he lose his tongue, but it's how he became who he is, basically. So you have the situation where, yeah, he lost his tongue, but that's also when he became the kind of grumpy, surly thief that he is. And then I also wanted the why. I mean, in the begin beginning, I wrote that he had a, a dwarvish-like beard. His beard was long and braided like a dwarf. And I wanted to know why. My brain wanted to know why. Why is his braided long and uh, long and braided uh, like a dwarf? And so it. The whole story then came together that he had lost his tongue and that he had had this dwarven mentor that taught him to be who he is. Um, I guess the emotional balance, that's an interesting question. I don't know that I have. I just feel like, I guess in general, we have so many stories, so many of the stories that create people and who their lives are, are like we have our loves and our joys and our whatever, but I think... If you think about around to your friends and your family, I think a lot of times what makes people who they are are their their hurts and their losses. And to me, this was how Snare got to be who he was, was he started as this young, very overconfident person and had a violent, very violent correction of his ego and his thing. And But it, it gives him depth, it gives him character, it gives him texture, basically, that now his story of loss and, and pain kind of set him out into the world as this grumpy thieving gnome instead of this happy-go-lucky gnome. So it was just, I don't know. I, I, it's hard. I guess I don't know 100% the answer to that other than that was that's his story and that loss is. So it was really development from the first. So you didn't have much from season no, one. not at all. And it developed 
from there. From all the whys, yeah. Mm -hmm. Why doesn't he speak? Why does his beard look like a dwarf's? Mm -hmm. And from then it came, the story became the story at that point. Interesting. Uh, is Snare ever going to cross paths with the Baron again? Uh, <laughs> uh, again, I don't know. Will he? He's going to beat the crap out of him. Will he? <laughs> will he? I don't, I, I'm, I'm so far, I'm going to say that's a magic eight ball. Ask again later. I don't, uh, that story is unwritten yet. There's too many stories of his life that, that are going to be written in between where he is and where he's going. Mm. Uh, you know, we've already seen him uh, disappear in the old temple with Yanef, so there's still many more stories. He's got several more plots to be told, so mm. do we get a Mummer's Fair side plot? Possibly in the future, but not. that's not an immediate uh, that's not on any immediate agenda. There are a couple of very emotionally intense uh, episodes this season. One of them was the story of the snare, and the other one, uh, for me, was the connection between uh, Colborn and Mela. Mm -hmm. And I was just wondering what your inspiration was for a thread to pull. Yeah. To me, I don't know. Again, they, that one always felt more developed. I've always felt, I don't know why, a little more of a connection to Mela, uh, who starts out just never was, never had anything going for her. Like her, the, her creation story, she basically loses her childhood with her memories but gets her gains her life back and then finds herself in a city where she finds herself being very different and escaping from an orphanage to basically become a street riffraff. And so I think Mela's overarching story is one of redemption and how she starts with nothing but then finds through coincidence and choice people finds finds things that she never had. So her family is basically taken away from her through circumstance in, in her young life. But as her story is told, we're going to find that she found a family and picked a family. And it's this, just kind of the story of we have all these needs inside of ourselves. And I think, yeah, I, I think I have a hard time articulating this one. The story is, yeah, her development, her finding confidence, and her learning to trust again. Like, she, through her first 17, 18 years of life, has no reason to trust anyone. And I think that there's a lot of things in life that aren't explained. And so I think, and I even enumerate that in the story, that she can't explain her trust for Colborn. But I think you, what we're going to see in that relationship and what I tried to write is the beginning of probably the beginning of a father-daughter relationship where they they for both of their own reasons have have things missing in their lives and it just finds out that their connection is a puzzle piece connection where they fit together when are we going to see more of esmeray <laughs> i want to know the dark agenda the most convoluted and most awesome front door of all time <laughs> Uh, Esmeray, she's slated. There's a story slated this season for Esmeray that will kind of begin to, instead of her being a shadowy, manipulative figure, we're going to see a story at the end of the season, season three, uh, that kind of explains who is Esmeray and where did she come from. So she's she's coming this season. We'll see more from Esmeray this season. All right. We only have a couple more questions before we... Uh... 
before we wrap up, but I wanted to know how has being in quarantine affected <laughs> creating your podcast, Joel? Yeah. Joel made, Rigetti yeah. of Joel Rigetti Speaking yeah. Stone Studios. It's made it difficult, I think. <laughs> Really difficult. I think what I never knew about myself, I mean, I've always considered myself more on the introverted side of the scale. I mean, I like to go out and see my friends occasionally, but in the pre-COVID world, I definitely wasn't like, I need my time to myself kind of scenario, need time away and didn't like full weekends of stuff to do all the time. Uh, I am discovering through this process that going outside, taking my child to school, cooking dinner, doing normal shopping and interactivity is, was apparently (laughs) immensely important to thinking and creating and just breaking up your day and your reality with different activities. And I guess, I guess I'm assuming as part of a storyteller is seeing things and that your mind's eye is always taking in interactions and people. Uh, And just, I think everyone's brain doesn't matter what you do needs something other than a monotone beat so it has been extremely difficult to find motivation to write uh to record uh to have anything other than a bip so yeah no it's been it's been difficult i would and i think any creator the any of the creators that i've had touched with it puts you even more in a vacuum than you already are. Like when you're creating something and then putting it on the internet you're kind of like screaming into the void like hey give me some feedback but now everyone's like on timeout and like everyone's screaming into the void. Hey, give me some feedback for everything for, for their lives, for friendship, for food, for like, Hey, look, what, what did I wear? What do your shoes look like? What did you eat? Like, so I just, as humans, we definitely have been sucked away from what would be considered until now normal. And that definitely that the monotony has definitely strained my ability to create, but I'm, you know, if my wife doesn't kill me anytime soon, I'll, keep giving it my best and uh keep keep trying to figure this out uh figure out this new normal and keep telling stories but yeah no i i don't think any anyone from any walk of life right now could say there hasn't been some effect but i was actually shocked in the beginning how big of a hit it was on motivation and and storytelling but but here we are we're still still going one way or another Well, you and I and also talked about witnessing other people's emotions just being out in public and how that fills up your storytelling. It's just witnessing random people's emotions throughout the day and random interactions between random people feeds your storytelling. Yeah. I guess I think a lot about now, yeah, that your your video camera is always on and it's always recording stuff. So I think some, some things that you don't even know might affect you probably is just continues to feed into that bucket of experience I have or you have or anyone has to tell stories. So yeah, with, with that camera feed locked into front room, kitchen, bathroom, bedroom, it's, (laughs) it's definitely not getting a lot in the way of new input and info. So you mean our kid bouncing on the trampoline doesn't give you stories. (laughs) Yeah. I'll write a story about the bounciest (laughs) goblin ever. Uh, so to wrap it up, is there anything you can tell us about season three? Is there anything we can tell you? Spoil it for us. We already did. So I think I already touched on one with Esmeray will be coming, uh, late in season three, uh, with a little more clarity, a little step out of the shadows. Who is Esmeray? Uh, hopefully something about Veshna. Veshna will not be in season three for sure. Uh, but Karia, I think uh, people have wanted more of Karia. She is kicking off season three. 
uh, we will be picking up uh, basically where she left off with her task to go retrieve uh, the urn of Skellish Half-Handed for Esmeray. Oh, does that mean we'll see more of who's stuck with a broken leg? Yanov. Yes. Oh, uh, will we see more of Yanov? Not yet. Uh, no, that won't be that won't be seen as of yet. Mm. Uh, and then what's the other? I think I had one other for Shirzy on season two. Oh, we're gonna see Ortval, the half elf cleric who didn't have a very long run in season one. We're gonna see how the hell did Ortval, the half elf cleric, uh, meet and get intertwined with Alarian, who got them started on that whole mess into the temple. So those are the three for Shirzy's right now. Uh, I think there is going to be one side type story and it will deal with, and you can vote if you're a patron on, uh, we'll deal with either more of Mordecai the Vampire from Fran's story. We're going to, can have a kind of one shotty with him, but actually would also maybe clarify some things or the other option is going to be, uh, a one shot discussion or story about the Gravnish Empire. The Gravenish Empire were the soldiers that rode through and destroyed the town that Mela came from. So those are going to be options as well. So season three, definitely Karia, definitely more Esmeré, Ortaval, and how the heck did he wind up with Alarian? Uh, and yeah, and then some pick and choose. And then, yeah, then I have a few other basic ideas, but we'll see when we get closer. I should up my uh, membership so I can vote on those. <laughs> Everybody up their membership. <laughs> Millions of dollars. No, no. I really, actually, that is a good point. I did want to just say thanks to everybody that has stuck with me and and given me support, whether it be financial or listening or anything. I really do appreciate every teeny little bit piece of feed, feedback because it really makes me want to keep going when I hear anything. It's that call into the void. Ca-ca! And then hopefully <laughs> something comes back from the void. So. That's all we got. I think that's all we got. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, There will be, I assume, a one-week break until uh, season three begins. So I need some time to catch up on writing and uh, recording. And then we will be off into a new series of adventures here in season three. Hello, listener. Are you a fan of Tales from the Dungeon? Want early access to episode releases, character sheets, maps, and more? Please consider becoming a patron of the show. Join the other adventurers that help make Tales from the Dungeon a reality and become a patron today at www.patreon.com forward slash speaking stone studio. All one word, all lowercase. That's www.patreon.com forward slash speaking stone studio. Join today and keep the adventure alive.